Welcome to Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. I always record these opening comments before my shows so that I can lay a little bit of groundwork or introduce whoever I'm talking to. Today's guest is Dr. Denny Thompson, and he is the author of a couple of books, but one of the books that we're talking about is The 12 Ways of Love. And we just kind of got into it one afternoon, and there's not a lot of structure to this conversation, but there's a lot of gems in it. And so what I tried to do is I tried to put it together in a way that's going to make sense. I wanted to introduce the conversation so that you could understand a little bit about it going into it. So Dr. Denny Thompson is Dr. Shamini Hanukkah's father. And of course, you all know that Dr. Shamini Hanukkah is my girlfriend. And I actually asked her to help me shed some light on what it is that Dr. Thompson and I are about to talk about in this podcast episode. We're going to be talking about the 12 ways of love. And the first thing that I want to mention is that we throw around a couple of different phrases, uh, love languages, the relationship code, neurological preferences, and these all refer to the same concept. We're going to be talking about that concept. Dr. Hanukkah, will you please fill my listeners in about how this all started? Sure. So over 10 years ago, I sent my dad a copy of the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And most people have heard um, at some level about the love languages. Gary Chapman uh, is a psychologist who identified through his practice, couples therapy, he identified five observable love languages and that people really communicate in very distinct ways. He describes We all have a love tank, and if we get what we need in terms of these love languages, we can fill up the tank, be more satisfied, and have better relationships. And then when you can identify what your partner needs, then you can fill their love tank up. I was really fascinated with this book years ago, and over 10 years I over 10 years ago, I sent it to my dad. He was at the time researching a book about Ayurvedic medicine and was studying some ancient Vedic literature. And he really discovered something, which was there are not just five love languages. He actually discovered 12. And he calls them the 12 ways of love. And these are 12 unique observable ways that we perceive love and give it. I think a good way to lay the groundwork, first of all, is to list out the 12 love languages. The 12 ways of love are protection, gifts, conversation, physical touch, words of praise, organizing for perfection, time together, magical mystery tour, listening, sharing, teaching, and acts of service. So everybody has four of these love languages. And to a very lesser degree, we all have all of them really, but we have four main ones. And I discuss what mine are in the show. Why should people care what their love languages are? Well, I think the first reason you should care is because most of us get dissatisfied in our relationships when we don't feel love. And when we don't feel love, 
what mostly occurs is we get sad, disappointed, angry, and then there gets conflict in relationships. Most people want satisfying relationships that are full of love. And so when you can identify what you need, you can actually ask for it from your partner. So for instance, I need time together, which means connection. And if I don't get time with my partner, then I'm not going to feel satisfied. So identifying what we need, I think is really important. Most people don't really exactly know how to articulate what they need. So when you discover that you need four out of these 12, and you can really kind of articulate that to yourself and to your partner, you become more clear about what you need. The other benefit of knowing this is obviously if I know about you and what you need, then I can communicate to you in a way where you feel love, where your love tank gets full and where you can feel satisfied in the relationship. So this applies to the, you know, husbands, wives. It applies to family members. It applies to children, to business people. You know, if we can talk to people in a way that they feel loved, relationships are just going to be better. Even yourself is a really big one. I talked to Dr. Thompson in this interview about how via his work, I was really able to connect with the fact that I am a teacher at heart. That's one of my quote unquote love languages. So for me, I've been able to design what I do as a career. It is very important. A significant with a like a significant other's relationship or with your with a parent child relationship, but it's really knowing yourself is a huge component of this. Right. Because when you know what makes your brain feel stimulated, then you're going to be attracted to that, right? So you're saying that you use this way of love in your brain about teaching in your work and that makes you feel really good, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is because I get to teach others and I get to share what I know and, and some of the relationships that I have with, with people. I get to share that with, with my listeners via this podcast. And so this podcast really feeds me and that ends up translating into just a more vibrant potential for myself. Right. Absolutely. And knowing yourself, then you can share the gifts that you have with others as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for introducing this topic. I hope you enjoy. Hope you guys like it. Here's my dad. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. You are what your deep driving desire is. As your deep driving desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. And so if your destiny is your purpose or your career is following your destiny, then it has to be some deep driving desire for yourself. And for me, 
that is that transformational piece. That is just for me. In other words, my particular brain. Out of the 12 relationship codes, then that particular one has been enlivened in my brain. I went from 15 minutes to two hours to now if I work with somebody who has cancer or some difficult problem, and of course I don't treat cancer because that would be illegal, right? unless you're an oncologist, but we help the person get better, uh, help improve their health, so they don't have cancer. So uh, now I, I can work uh, two weeks, six hours a day, put them through a whole lot of stuff, and then I get to the end of it, and they're detoxed quite a bit. Their system has shifted. They've learned the things that they need to do, which is follow an anti-inflammatory diet like a Gerson program, etc. And then I do a relationship work with them. Right. And that, like, so spending like two hours instead of 10 minutes or or even, you know, seven days, 10 days, 14 days instead of two hours even, where you don't treat anyone else. You're just treating that person essentially for two weeks, maybe. And that's really satisfying for you, for your brain. It, it hits that satiation center, so to speak, for your brain. It's satisfying for you. And... It's great for the patient too, because the patient feels like, I mean, it's so easy to see the transformation in two weeks as opposed to losing one pound a week for a year. If you would lose 50 pounds in a week, it, you couldn't help but notice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody has a particular problem, I mean, if we just treat somebody once a week or once every two weeks, we're just really keeping them kind of where they are. They're not progressing, getting worse, but we're, we're kind of holding there, but not necessarily rejuvenating the whole system. And so you have to do the chemistry part. You have to do the structural part. I do acupuncture as well. And each one of those has a part to play. But the funnest thing, the most, uh, the best thing that I do nowadays is what I call relationship medicine. Yeah, 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 right. And that's what your book's about. That's like your big thing. And yep. that's that's awesome. I mean, the the whole, like what you're talking about, the transformation, I just get juiced hearing you say that stuff because that's exactly what drives me. It's not fun for me to be in practice and relieve someone's suffering over their back pain. Now, having said that, what a great gift for someone to, to be able to come in, get something naturally done and get out of this low back pain. And they didn't have to take any meds. They didn't have to have surgery. So that's a great gift. But like you said, if they don't change anything and it just comes back, it's just, it kind of leaves a hole in my heart almost, you know, it just does, it feels like, what did we just do? And so what drives me is that transformation and that's what underlying underneath everything you do. And then the piece that, that you really specialize in that you're better at than anybody that I've ever met is this relationship piece. So that's what I want to talk to you about. So tell me about relationship medicine and the relationship code. What What is that like simply for people? Actually, let me give you an example of a patient I've had recently. Yeah, okay. great. Awesome. So this person has a problem with his shoulder. Okay. Might have to have his shoulder... Um, Amputated. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, shoulder replaced. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he's a little older man, uh, my age. So when I look at this, you have to do the chiropractic stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to see what's going on. There was weak muscles, and so I checked it out. And in kinesiology, you test the muscle and then test and then put your hand somewhere else. And that's called two point. And if, if you test a weak muscle and the muscle is weak and you put your hand on your liver and it goes strong, then there's a relationship between these two points. And 
in terms of this particular patient, it was related to his colon. The colon then was related to an issue 30 years ago. Okay. It was a relationship piece. So then uh, the reason I have to look at it like that is why, why is this still floating around in this guy's brain? Hmm. That happens with all of us is that we have stuff like that. And so to help him, then we had to bring up this awareness. Right, right. Is it uh, floating around? You, you say floating around in your brain. Do you find that it's sometimes in their conscious brain and it's sometimes a little below the conscious brain? It's, it's most of the time below because they really don't know what's going on. Pretty much it goes like this. The whole book, the whole concept of relationship medicine is based on the concept that I have needs and you have needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we get in a relationship with somebody, we usually go and hang out and we go, Oh, I feel so good when I'm with you. Yeah. You know, and you know, that's, that's really nice, but let's meet here again tomorrow. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and then you, you meet them tomorrow and they're, and they're laughing at all your jokes and it's just a wonderful thing. It's just wonderful. And oh, I, I really like this person and I feel so good when I'm with them. And okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And you go there and they're not there. Why? Wouldn't they be there? Because you weren't nurturing them. In other mm. words, that's just the idea. So most people get into a relationship because they feel love and then they like that feeling, but they don't know how to give it. And so the concept then is to say, uh, first of all, you want to nurture someone else first, and then you, you want to get nurtured back. And it, there's a lot of things that go into it, but you first have to know that you have needs. I have needs. You have needs. So when people get in a relationship, when they get married, you know, they promise to live till death do you part, you know, live together till death do us part. And some people do that several times. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And no one has died. And so that's, that's really the conversation is that why would I want to hang out with you if I'm not getting nurtured? Why would you want to hang out with me? if I'm not getting nurtured. And so the relationship code that you have, basically... Wait, wh- why, would, why would I want to hang out with you if you're not getting nurtured? I, I'm, uh, let's say, a man and a woman. Is that you have to say, okay, I want to nurture you, and you need to nurture me back. Right. Okay? In other words, it has to happen like that. You actually... Uh, alluded to that question earlier when we, before we talked is, is that can what, what was the full question um can everyone can, oh, oh 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 yeah i um should should your partner be able to meet all your needs is one, one of the things i asked uh, uh no no uh because that would be an illusion every should is an illusion mm-hmm. can they so Let's say uh, there is one particular um, relationship code called touch. And so if touch is, some people are just touchy-feely, they hug, uh, they do all sorts of stuff, and, you know, it has to do with affection. Now, most of us like affection, but some of us like it way, way more than others. And so if they have that particular love language, if they have that particular relationship code, then it is... Uh, it's all over the place. The the relationship code you have is the one you think everyone has. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. Mistake. I've done some work with you, 
And through that work, I've discovered that my relationship code, the main ways that I feel that nurturing neurologically is through sharing. Yep. And you can elaborate on any of these if you want to, but I, I think it just makes sense to, to share this right now. Oh, I, I think that because I'm, I'm sharer. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, so, so, um, so my, my, my love languages or my neurologic preferences are sharing, physical touch, and teaching. So you're talking about someone that feels touch and that everybody should feel uh, love the same way. I know what exactly what you're talking about. And I think like pretty much anybody can know exactly what you're talking about if you tell them, if you tell them the story when and you use their form of love. So for me, physical touch is one of my forms of love. And I cannot really be in a relationship if I'm not getting physical touch. It's just not, uh, it doesn't feel nurturing. Or how about sharing? Yeah, well, well, all of them. And I mean, them. yeah, right. I mean, all of the ones that are important to me. Right. So, I mean, for me, and I'll just go ahead and share this right now, too. Yes. This work that I've done with you has been so hugely significant in my life because it's, it's literally, you've transformed me, Dr. Denny. You've, because, because I know this now, I've been able to look at myself in a different light. And this, this affects my relationships. It also affects, really anything that I apply it to in my life. So like, for example, what I want to do with my life, so to speak, my job and my just my contribution to the world and so on and so forth. And like I said, one of my love languages is teaching. And so I get really jazzed when when I teach something and when I think that I've helped someone or that I perceive that I've empowered them or or something like that, I get really jazzed. And that's actually why I'm doing this podcast now. I mean, I figured out that I wanted a platform to be able to teach from because that's that's how I get jazzed. And this is one of those platforms where I hope to be able to help people in so many ways. That's just an example of how impactful this uh, work of yours can be. It can literally change someone one's life like that. So and that's that transformation that we started out talking about. So let me give you an example. Each one of the relationship codes has a word that relates to it. Yeah. There's, there's a relationship code of protection that has to do with feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, gifts has to do with feeling valued. Mm-hmm. Whereas praise has to do with feeling respect. Mm-hmm. So for teaching, the word is freedom. If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man a fish to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Right. And so you're, you're giving the person then this particular freedom. Mm. Now, uh, and, and it happens in consciousness all the time, politics. Did you say it happens in consciousness? Consciousness. Okay. In other words, the idea is that Democrats seem to be give a man a fish. Republicans are teach a man a fish. But the truth is you have to give a man a fish while you're teaching him how to fish. In other words, this is is that when people think that the uh, politics is polarized, it just has to do with people lining up in terms of their own neurological nurturing preferences, their love codes. And then they think the other people are wrong, etc. When you have a particular love code, what is always happens, it is a hundred percent when you're not getting nurtured in the way that you need, need to get nurtured, people get angry. Mm. Okay. Now, anger is like taking poison and expecting someone else to die. This happens 100% of the time. If you know what you're looking for, then you go, you, you uh, for instance, my name is Denny. My relationship code, one of them is words of praise. How am I doing? 
You're doing great. Okay. Now, I've taught you to say great. This is one of the, when I first met you. Like, mm-hmm. What we have to do is teach each other. We have to train each other how to nurture each other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so when I teach class on this, I'll bring, I usually bring a woman up for the class and I'll say, my name's Denny and my relationship code is words of praise. Uh, how do you like my hair? Now, my hair is, uh, uh I have long hair in a ponytail. It's silver. And I'm uh, 64 and I still have all my hair. So that's good. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. But what happens is I always try to get somebody who might not like it. Uh As a matter of fact, uh, since I've done this for last 10 years, half the women will like my hair, half half won't. And so I'll ask ask them, so how do you like my hair? And then the woman will say, they go, well... um, I, uh, I really don't like long hair on older men. And then everybody in the audience, they put their hand in front of their mouth and go, Oh my God. I said, okay. Now remember when I said my love languages was words of praise, I asked you if you wanted to be friends. Oh yeah, I'm going to be friends. You're very interesting. Oh, okay. You want to be friends? Okay. Well, let's do this again. My love language is words of praise. How do you like my hair? And do you think they now will tell me that they like my hair? No, they'll probably still say, well, you're very interesting, but I don't really like long hair on older men. Right. And then the audience gasps again. And that happens all the time. Right. Two, they don't get it. This is a perfect example. We don't even know what to ask. Now I know what to ask for. I know what the boundary is. Mm. But even when you ask and you don't get it, you tell people, this is how you get nurtured, they still won't give it to you. You have to train them. They have to want to be in a relationship with you. And so then I explain that a little deeper to them. And then the person has said this to me so many times, the woman will say, you want me to lie? I said, absolutely. (laughs) And... And then they'll say, oh, I love your hair. And it still feels good. Yep. Now, the point is their willingness to nurture me. That's what the conversation is about. Yes. And so what I'm doing is saying, you have to ask for what you need. Yep. Because that's the first thing. I used to just tell people the love languages and, you know, their relationship codes and, and that was it. And truth is, I realized I had to talk them into the understandings that you have needs. And then if you have a need and you don't get it met, what do you do? People get angry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or they get... Can they get depressed? Yeah. I mean, like, like for me, for example, if I'm, if I'm in my work life and I'm not teaching, I mean, I've been in this situation several times in my life where it's like, I mean, I'm making some money. I mean, there's nothing, you know, a lot of times I was even like essentially my own boss. Like I, you know, I, there was no reason I shouldn't have been happy sort of. Yes. But if I wasn't doing that transformational work, the, you know, the teaching, then I would just, I'm not going to say I was never angry, but it, the, in, in my work life, it, more, it just didn't, fe- I didn't feel alive. It just kind of felt more and more drab, kind of like depressed almost. Absolutely. What I recognized in myself is that first part of the story was I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. And it took me years and years and years to get to the point where I realized I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I love doing. Mm. Now, you have to know, first of all, you have needs. Then you have to figure out what those needs are. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not the second thing. The second thing is 
once you realize that you have needs, you have to realize that the other person has needs. And then you have to then figure out that you have a need for something. And so if your relationship code is words of praise and you get criticized, that doesn't work. Okay. And so then you have to say, Hey, Annie, that's not working for me because that's not how I get nurtured. And if the person then doesn't nurture you like that, mm-hmm. uh, as I was mentioning before, why would I want to hang out with somebody who criticized me? See, that's my point is that if all we have is pleasure or pain, we're going toward pleasure and away from pain. And all we're doing is sitting in a continuing soup of pain. Yeah, if all that person did was criticize you, I would think that there needs to be a net effect of goodness or more more pleasure, less pain. If they said that you're great 10 times and then they said, but I don't like your hair, that's still sort of a net gain, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has to be on a continuum of behavior. And so let's say that you have four neurological codes, uh, relationship codes. You're not going to get them all at a 10 on a scale from 0 to 10, mm-hmm. you're not going to get them all at a 10. Because, for instance, uh, I've been in a relationship with a woman who has love language of gifts. I suck at that. Relationship code of gifts is about uh, a certain thing, and and I, I suck at that. That's not my thought at all. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend once where I gave her flowers, yeah, and she took the flowers and said, why'd you give me flowers? Mm. Why don't you give me a plant? These flowers are going to die. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I felt, I felt hurt. You went out on a limb, yes. tried to get a gift. Yes. <laughs> I was thoughtful. And then you bust my chops. And so, you know, I had a natural reaction. I, I was irritated, you know. And I'm going, why should I be irritated? Uh, I don't like to be irritated. So then I don't do the thing then that made me feel irritated, which was buy her flowers. I never did that again. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you associated the irritation with the gift giving? Yeah. It's not something that I do easily. Yep. It's that kind of thing, is that you figure out what you need, and then you train your partner. And that, oh, and that was that, that was specifically hard for you because she was, because you're, one of your love languages is words of praise, and she essentially did the opposite. So you, you tried to meet her need, which was gifts. Yes. And... Instead of her edifying you about that and saying, good job, thanks for the gift or whatever, um, she said, you essentially, she said, you did a bad job here yes. at getting, at meeting my needs yes. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then I amplified it by saying, she really said, you suck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. And so, you know, and then, then we make all sorts of stuff up in the process. I wasn't getting nurtured. So then I certainly, I'm, I'm not going to want to hang out with somebody who criticizes me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. In other words, that's an example. Somebody who has a low language of sharing is not going to feel nurtured, uh, if the other person isn't able to share. Sharing has to do with responsibility. That's the word associated with responsibility. And, uh, you have to take responsibility. You want to share a life together. You want to share a vision, etc. Each one of these has a distinctly different taste. And they're found in different bhavasas or bowls in your life. For me, Magical Mystery Tour is in my bowl of career. It's not for you. 
It's in a different level. It's in a different one. So, and everybody's different. So the biggest mistake people make then, as I said this before, they think everybody has the same relationship code that they do. Right, right, right. Like my, my girlfriend currently, one of her, uh, one of her love languages is listening. And listening is not one of my love languages. Mm -hmm. So, but physical touches. Yeah. But, do you know how much physical touch I get if I never listen to her? Zip. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, but, but if I didn't understand this, it's sort of like, you know, what are you doing? Like, I keep giving you a hug, or I'm like, I'm rubbing your feet, or I'm, you know, or watching a movie and I'm running my fingers through your hair. I'm, I'm giving you all kinds of love. What is like? What is the right. deal here? What's the block? And the block is. Okay, so what you have to do, the block is you're not getting what you need. You're not giving her what she needs. Right. And so what you have to do is take her hand, put it on your shoulder, and say, squeeze my shoulder, and I'll listen to whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'll, you can talk. You just rub my hair. Right, right, right. And, of but, course, if you're more sophisticated about it in, in the relationship, it doesn't have to be exactly tit for tat. But yep. but that's a great uh, that's a great example of like yep. how to – as you're starting to learn how to how to use this in your relationship, how to do that. That's cool. I mean, it always goes back to something simple, honestly. The 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 problems that people have, the it shows up in the body as some upset, some part of your body is shut down. And um it always has to do with the relationship at some level. I mean, so tell us how so, like, I think most people get it. I mean, at this point, you know, they've been listening for half an hour. I think most people can understand, um, okay, right. So, Dr. Chris has a relationship of, a relationship code of teaching and, and of, of sharing and of physical touch. And so, if I want to nurture him, I can, you know, I can give him a back rub or, you know, whatever things like a physical touch thing. And I get that my partner could have other ones that other ways that they feel nurtured. And, and so people get that. So how does, I mean, there's so many, there's so many questions to ask from here. How, like, how do you find out what your relationship code is? But also like what I'm going to ask first is how does that, like, let's go back to the, the, the guy with the shoulder that you had, that you had, how does a relationship issue like this how does that manifest into your shoulder or some other part of your body? Actually, I read an article that Bruce Lipton, in an article he was talking about, uh, and I think he wrote some of this in Biology of Belief. He's basically saying that your cells, that all the cells of your body then relate to, let's say, your sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is when you're running away from the tiger. Mm-hmm. And when you're the running fight or flight part. What? Yeah, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when, and this is, I try to teach mm-hmm. every patient this. This is, this Huge. is the heart of even Ayurvedic medicine. And so, uh, when you're running away from the tiger, all your focus is on your eyes, your ears, your muscles. Your liver shuts down. Your small intestine is not digesting any food. It shouldn't be. Your colon isn't. You know, you can't say, hey, tiger, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Hold on. You can't do that because you'll end up lunch. So you go like crazy. You get up the tree. 
you stay there for a couple hours. I wouldn't go down if there was a tiger there. Right. And eventually a tiger goes away. And then there's only one reason you'll ever get down. It's because now your sympathetic nervous system is calming down. And when it calms down, it turns on the parasympathetic, which turns on digestion, increases your appetite, increases peristalsis, increases liver function. So then you have a nurturing effect. Okay. And so when you think of that just in terms of nervous system, that's a physiology. But on the cellular level, in this particular article that he wrote and uh, talks about in his book, he's saying that each one of these cells then act the same way. This is a beautiful example of it. So if you are in fight or flight all the time, then you are in a state of decreased nurturing. You are in fear. Your cells then are shutting down. Right. And then whether it's your liver, your colon, etc., your emotions, uh, fight or flight has to do with fear and anger. Uh, whereas, uh, the parasympathetic has to do with calmness and serenity and bliss and the nurturing. And so when you have an emotional reaction to something, you, uh, that's negative, then you go into this fight or flight response, you get anger, angry, and your cells change. And so the whole concept of body mind is that the mind is actually affecting the body. Actually, said better, mind-body rather than body-mind, because then the mind is affecting it. So if if you find that a shoulder is a problem and you find out it relates to one of these particular organs, you know, and then as I'm talking about it, I said, any problems with the colon? Yeah, it, it, there were problems, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, you know. How do you know all this? I said, I just work here, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. it, When you look at, uh, it, it's, it's a functional medicine piece. It's like uh, what I call Ayurvedic functional medicine, and then you use a muscle test through that kind of concept. So uh, you find out the story. There's just a story. And so I let people talk. Now, I may know that their their particular love code, or I may not know it, but I know certain things uh, before I go into it. And I find the story. And once you find the story, you bring an awareness to it, uh, what's going on, because there are four steps. So the relationship intelligence, I call this stuff relationship intelligence. Uh, and Is that I, distinct from emotional intelligence? Yes. It's actually, okay. I, uh, I, wrote, I, I wrote my 12 Ways of Love book, at the same time, uh, Daniel Goldman came out with emotional intelligence, which was a great concept. And I liked that idea. And so I actually, that's one of the reasons that I chose relationship intelligence. Emotional intelligence, then, I blend with this whole concept because emotional intelligence is what makes people successful. They did a study on, I think, Harvard graduates uh, and, uh, they said if, you know, the ones who got the uh, straight A's and the highest IQs, how successful were they? Well, not very in comparison to the ones who actually had a high level of emotional intelligence. In other words, they had a lot of uh, parameters and they looked at all the parameters and basically someone who has a handle on their emotion, someone who is able to, they are able to, they, uh, the muscle reaction, 
The reaction to stress in a life is like a muscle, and then they exercise and get strong. It's because if you become a drama queen or a drama king, that's not emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so, and if you can't interact with people, you can't. The very first thing everybody does is get mad. I'm smart. I am a people person. <laughs> yes. Doesn't doesn't really work. <laughs> exactly. So then you look at uh, emotional intelligence, the four components of it, which is self-awareness. In other words, the, the first level is to say, oh, I'm feeling something here. I'm angry. Oh, huh. So most of the time people go, oh, I'm angry. And then they look around the room and go, ah, it's your fault. That's, that's what people do. They get mad at people and they, and they say, it's your fault. I'm, I'm experiencing uh, pain and I don't like pain. And so I feel a lot better when I can blame it on you. Yeah, I'm mad because you burnt the soup. I'm mad because you showed up late. Right. And so people are unaware of that they're actually mad. Right. You know? Oftentimes, yeah. The, oh, just so many times. So then the next level is uh, emotional self-management. In other words, first thing is I find out that I'm aware of my anger. And noticing it. What? Noticing it. Yeah, first of all, it's noticing it. And then the next level is... The idea of emotional self-management, once you've noticed it, you go, oh, I see that I'm mad. And I'm thinking that it's her fault or his fault. But they were just sitting over in the chair. And, huh. In other words, so having a high level of understanding of emotional uh, awareness of, and not blaming, not judging, there's a lot of other things that go into it. But that's, that's that idea. A good example, too, I think is, let's say you and I are in a room, we're with Fred, and Fred burns the soup. And you notice that you're mad because Fred burnt the soup. But then if you if you notice further, I'm not mad, but I know Fred burnt the soup. And so it must not be because Fred burnt the soup, because otherwise everyone would be mad. Is that right? Okay, I, <laughs> you're I, like I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But I, I mean, it's I mean, peop, you're suggesting that people actually have enough awareness to look around and go, "Oh, I'm the only one who's mad here." Right? No, no. That's only if they're at that level. Like, right. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Then yes is the answer. Yeah. But but people aren't like that. No. No. I mean, you, you emotionally have, unintelligent people. Aren't uh, yeah. Like that, right? I mean, you know. Uh, when I started getting into this and reading this stuff and then correlating it, you know, you just watch every TV program. It's all based on emotional intelligence. Every movie you ever watch is, you know, we just point them, we look at them and go, ah, emotional intelligence, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it is. And it's, it's obvious when it's that person right, over there. <laughs> right. And, and when you realize that it's their reaction that they're having. And so when you have a reaction, when you're angry, uh, one of the best lines is, again, I've said it before, anger is like taking poison and expecting someone else to die. So just think about that. So Fred burnt the soup, and you get all worked up. And, you know, he, here's the truth. You burnt the soup. The meaning of the event is what people get mad at. Right. The I, I say it's reality versus illusion, is that... uh Fred burnt the soup. That's reality, right? Yeah. What's the illusion? Well, he shouldn't have. 
Why is that an illusion? People ask. He says, well, because you think he should have done something that he didn't do. Reality is he didn't do it. In other words, he burnt the soup. That's how it is. You know, I, I get used to burnt soup. That's how I cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I prefer other people to cook, but, uh, you know, so th- that's what it is. It's your reaction to the upset. First step, self-awareness, self-management is the next one. Then the, the other part where people don't understand it is, uh, social awareness. That's the third level of emotional intelligence. It's about having empathy, compassion. It's understanding that you need to validate who they are. And so if when you look at that particular situation, people, a lot of people in our lives don't understand that concept. And so then they're willing to say things to people. And it might be an accurate description, you know, mm. but, but it's not nurturing. You can say, well, it's the truth. Yeah. Well, are, are we talking like the woman that doesn't like long hair and older men? Is that like a no, example? no, no, no? I think it's fine for someone not to like long hair and older one, uh, older older men. Matter of fact, um, like so. Give me an example of what what you meant with that. Then, when when people judge, they're they're saying they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that. You know, these are bad people. It's not. Uh, she shouldn't text when we're eating breakfast together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They the social awareness piece is the concept in emotional intelligence that I describe as understand that the other person has needs as well. Mm-hmm. In other words, that's what I'm saying is that you have compassion for a person when they've done something and uh, you don't, uh, you may not agree with what they do, uh, but you can say, oh, that, that's an interesting choice hmm. rather than saying, wow, are they stupid for doing that? Yeah. You know, I mean, they did it because they're trying to work out their life. You know, uh, there's nobody. It made sense from inside of their head. Their head, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. and and it was accurate. It was, it was correct. Mm-hmm. It was true, but wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. It wasn't compassionate. You don't have compassion for the things that are going on in a person's life. So you then have to, as a person, if you're in a relationship with with someone like that you have to be able to bring that concept up is that why would anybody want to be in a relationship with somebody who's judgmental Hmm. in other words how is that nurturing to uh you know obviously since my uh, particular relationship code one of them is words of praise when somebody's being judgmental they're criticizing me you know i mean that's a hot button for me Mm -hmm. everybody every relationship code has a hot button but you don't get hot. In other words, it's your reaction to criticism that you have to, instead of going into fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. you stay calm mm-hmm. and you go, okay, this is what's going on. They're saying this stuff. Uh, the only thing, you can never ever change anyone. You can never ever change anyone. You can say, if you want to hang out with me, uh, you, you don't have to like my long hair in a ponytail. But you don't get to tell me every day that it sucks. Yeah, right. Yeah, you you can cook me the greatest food in the world. You can massage my shoulders. You can give me gifts. But if you <clears throat> criticize my guitar playing, which we're is done. something that's important to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. exactly. In other words, so and you're very good at that, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Yep. 
only very good. You're amazing. You're that's excellent. That would be yes. closer to okay, what I was. Okay. You're, yeah. you, you, your guitar playing has godlike uh, qualities. <laughs> I probably should say something like, oh, you're not quite. <laughs> but anyway, you're not going <laughs> to. But I'm not going to. Exactly. In other words, that's, that's exactly it. So you train people and says, okay, Denny likes this. Mm-hmm. And Denny likes this because... In part of his brain, he likes respect. He wants to be the king, yada, yada, yada. And so each one of these relationship codes, and again, out of the 12, everybody pretty much has four of them that they like more than the rest. Mm -hmm. And so when you figure out the four, you have a greater chance of being friends. If you want to be friends with somebody, nurture them. And if you want to hang out with somebody, nurture them. That's Mm -hmm. that's all. And And to think that you can get angry at somebody and say, well, we're always fighting about this and fighting about that. I'm going, okay, so do you like that? Well, no. Then it becomes a boundary. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I never told you the most important thing. Yeah. The purpose of a relationship. Yeah, why should I be in this relationship anyways? The purpose of a... Yeah, but not, not in the relationship. The purpose of any relationship mm-hmm. is... To nurture. I nurture you, you nurture me. Yeah. And to be clear, we're not talking about a significant other only, right? It, no, I mean, no, we're no. talking about like a work relationship, a, like any relationship. Father, right? uh, mother, grandfather. I'm the grandfather here. Uh, all of these things. Your children have relationship codes. But the truth is, once you put these 12 into your understanding, once you know your four and your partner's four, mm-hmm. then it's just, you know, it's just like, I, I would say it like this. You ever been in a car and you're going, okay, where do you want to eat? And the person says, I don't care. Anywhere. Not a problem. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, then I say, how about Thai food? And then the person says, I don't like Thai food. <laughs> so okay. the... The the end that the moral of that story is people know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. I'll say mm. it again. I had yeah, to do yeah. it slow. No, that's people, good. They know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in relationship. That's actually like the same thing. Uh, when I talk to successful entrepreneurs, I mean, the same thing, like in their, uh, they, they know what they want out of their business. You know, people that, uh, that are happy with their financial situation, like they know what they want out of their personal finances, but that's a sophistication. There's a level of sophistication there where they've, you know, they've been observing it and stuff. So awesome. So can we give people the 12 love languages? Can we just list them out? Yes. Uh, first one is protection. Next one is gifts, conversation, touch, words of praise, organizing for perfection, time together, magical mystery tour, listening, sharing, teaching, service. That is the universe of humanity. And you have four of them. I have ways of figuring out the four. You definitely want to know yours. You want to know the partners, and then you you want to know how to have yours met and hers or his met, and you blend it with emotional intelligence. You don't get angry. You don't think that somebody should be doing anything. You don't try to control them. If you do, uh, nobody wants to be in a relationship with you anyway. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth. 
Yeah, right. Okay. If they want to know what their love language is, what do you recommend? Well, you can always give me a call, 303-247-1515, 303-247-1515. You can go on my uh, webpage, which is mindbodyrelationshipmedicine.com, mindbodyrelationshipmedicine.com, and uh, check it out. Uh, you can also get in touch with uh, Dr. Hanika and... Uh, her number. That's that's cool. I'll put all that stuff in okay. the show notes. I'll put it on the show notes. People can can check that out at drchrisfrickman.com slash podcast. Is there anything else? Any final touches? Any uh, final words for, for the listeners? Purpose of a relationship is to nurture. I nurture you. You nurture me. That's awesome. Okay. You want that adjustment now? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.